Revelation 5 is one of the most thrilling chapters in the entire Bible. Welcome to Awaken to Grace. I'm Chad Roberts, and today we are going to explore nearly every phrase of Revelation 5. And I'm so glad that you are here to walk through it with me. Friends, we are in a wonderful study of the book of Revelation called Things to Come. And today we've made our way to Revelation 5, and I'm calling today The Lion and the Lamb. We're going to explore these incredible titles for Christ and what they mean for our salvation. So let's take our Bibles today. Let's go to Revelation 5 and walk with us through this great, thrilling chapter. As I always encourage you, if you've not connected with me in a personal way, I would so love to know who you are. I would love to get a message from you. You know, even though I'm completely blind, I love getting emails. My devices read every email to me. So take a moment and message me this week. Let me know what you think of Awaken to Grace. Let me know how to pray for you, perhaps what the Lord's doing in your life. I love to know where people are listening from as we are on powerful platforms across all of the United States and Canada and even beyond that. So take a moment, message me this week. You can send an email directly to me at pastorchadroberts at gmail.com. Pastor Chad Roberts at gmail.com. Let's get to God's Word today, Revelation chapter 5. My goal today is again to give you such a familiarity with the book of Revelation that it doesn't feel mysterious to you, that it doesn't feel scary to you, but that its goal, its purpose is to see Jesus Christ as the center of the universe, to see Jesus Christ as sovereign and all-powerful and all-authoritative that As the judgments come upon the earth, and that's what we're going to get into from chapter 6 on throughout the book. I believe chapters 4 and 5 is to give God's people a remarkable comfort that God is solely in charge and in control. When there is chaos on the earth, my friend, there is absolute control in heaven. Amen? So let's go, verse 1. Caleb, read it for me, and let's pick it apart. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back. Now remember what we said last week. John records 70 times throughout the book of Revelation, I saw or I looked, or I beheld. Remember, John is literally seeing these things, and what the Bible says is if anything's going to be true, let it be in the mouth of two or three witnesses. And John is going to give witness. John is going to give witness to the truths of God. And here's the fascinating thing about Revelation to me. Remember we said last week, there are 404 verses in the book of Revelation, and yet there are over 800 allusions to the Old Testament. 
You will never understand the book of Revelation unless you understand the Old Testament. And just as John is a witness to the truth of God, so the Old Testament is a witness. And today, we are going to understand by God's grace and through God's spirit, we're going to understand chapter 5 because we're going to reach way back into the Old Testament and it's going to be confirmed by John the Apostle and by the Old Testament. Seventy times John says, I looked or I saw. Now, what did he see? He saw the throne of God and him seated upon the throne. That is God Almighty. That is God the Father. And John says, remember what we said last week? That the throne was mentioned 14 times alone in chapter 4. And now John is going to continue telling us what he saw. And he sees God Almighty seated on this throne. And the Bible says that in the right hand of God is the scroll Written within and written without and sealed seven times. What does that mean? Well, that actually tells us quite a bit, church. First of all, I want you to note that it is written within and without. In ancient times, in in biblical times, this tells us that what this scroll is, is a legal document. Scrolls were not written on the outside unless they were legal. So you would have a scroll, and oddly enough, you wouldn't believe how long scrolls were in ancient times. As a matter of fact, the original manuscripts of the Bible, the ones found in the city of Antioch, which was the headquarters of the church, and the ones found in Alexandria, you wouldn't believe how long they are. I believe, if, 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 if memory is right, uh, Rev- the book of Revelation was 15 feet long. The book of Mark, I think, was 23 feet long. The book of Acts was 35 feet long. These are long scrolls. And what John sees is the scroll sealed seven times in the hand of God Almighty. What is John telling us? What is this scroll? Well, I want to propose to you that this is the title deed of the earth. This is the inheritance of of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why do I believe that? Because this is a legal document. Normal documents were written within, but legal documents had instructions on the outside. And in these ancient times, a will or an inheritance or something like that of legality, they were sealed up seven times. Now we know through the next chapter, chapter 6, these seals represent the judgments upon the earth. This is the beginning of the tribulation in chapter 6, verse 1. When Christ begins to break the seven seals, what is that? That's the sealed judgments coming upon the earth. But the question is why? Why is there going to be a tribulation period? Why is there going to be a great tribulation in the last three and a half years? Why does God judge the earth? You got your thinking caps on with me? Say amen if you're with me right now. So let's understand what happened. When God created humanity, when God formed Adam out of the dust of the ground and formed Eve out of the side of Adam, when God created humanity, what did God give them? He gave them authority upon the earth. But when Satan entered the Garden of Eden and when Eve 
was deceived and Adam was not deceived. Adam ate man out of house and home. I want you to know that. Adam rebelled. And when Adam rebelled and sin entered the world and sin came upon humanity, now the wages of sin is what? Death. But what happened to the earth? Man forfeited our legal authority. We forfeited it to Satan. That's why the Bible calls Satan the God of this world. That's why he's the God of this present age. We forfeited our authority. That's why when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, Matthew chapter 4, what was one of the temptations that Satan offered him? All of the kingdoms of the world. Why could he do that? Because he's the God of this world. And here, I want you to understand. Say amen if you're with me. I want you to understand. The entire purpose of humanity, the entire purpose of history is leading to the kingdom of Christ being established. But see, right now, we're in a foreign land, aren't we? Right now, we are pilgrims. That's why, as we studied last month, when the kingdom of God comes in us, it's the will and the reign of Jesus being exercised. But right now, that's not happening in the earth. you got the God of this world. But what is coming is the kingdom of God. Friends, do you realize there are 1,800 scriptures throughout the Bible predicting the coming kingdom of God? And see, when you understand that, you read the Old Testament through a totally different lens. When you understand the agenda of God, it changes everything for you. The whole agenda is that God would redeem mankind to establish his kingdom. You'll begin to read. Here, this is fascinating. Read the book of Joshua through the lens of Revelation. And see what you'll see is you'll see the captain of the host. You'll see him sending in Joshua and the armies to do what? To rid the land of the usurpers. See, right now we live in a land of usurpers. But the whole purpose of this scroll, the whole purpose of God's plan and agenda is to establish his kingdom. And what does he say? He says, in the right hand. You know what the right hand of God always represents throughout all of scripture? Power and authority. Let me tell you, Satan may be the God of this world, but he's on a very short leash. God has all power and all authority. As a matter of fact, when we get into chapter 6, as we will in a couple of weeks, when we see what's called the four horsemen of the apocalypse, you're going to see a phrase through there over and over. And power was given. Authority was granted. Even in Satan's heyday, he is on a short leash. And God is in absolute sovereign control. Amen? The scroll, what is the scroll? We forfeited our authority to Satan. He's now the God of this world. But let me tell you, because Christ overcame that temptation, his kingdom is going to be established, Psalm chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. And we, thank God, is going to be a part of that kingdom. 
and, and that kingdom is going to be on the earth. See, my friends, that's what. Do, do, do you know why as humans we fear death? Not just because of the unknown and the uncertainty that, that is a natural fear. No, do, do you know why we fear death? It's because you and I were never designed to leave the earth. We were designed to live here forever. But what happened? The usurper came. Satan came. And now, what is the purpose of redemption? What is the plan of God? It is to restore the earth. It is for Christ's kingdom to come. Friends, that's what this scroll is. It's the title deed of the earth. It is the inheritance of Christ. Now look at verse 2 and 3. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. Now you're talking about a universal search. No one was found in heaven or on earth or under the earth worthy. And here's the key phrase, nor able, verse 3. No one was able to handle the title deed of the earth. No one was able to handle this. And what was John's response in verse 4? And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. The Greek here, the word loudly in Greek means to convulse. John was so upset. This was such an incredible catastrophe that John wept convulsively. Do you know why he wept so, so loudly? Friends, what was involved in John's weeping was every sin ever committed upon this earth. Every rape, every murder, every molestation. Every hurt, every death, everything that this world is cursed with its sin. And what John saw was because no one was worthy to open the scroll. The sin, the curse of sin was going to remain upon the earth. What a catastrophe. See, if you and I would ever see sin for what it is, it's more than being bad. It's death. It's calamity. It's separation from God. And John saw it, and John wept with all of his might. Why? Because no one was worthy, and no one, verse 3, was able. You should circle that word able, because there's major truth here. Read verse 5, please. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. <laughs> Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. Now, who did we say last week the elders are? Those 24 elders? I argued last week, I believe with all my heart, it is the church of Jesus Christ. I don't believe it's angels because verse 11 distinguishes them. You see, the angels with the elders. Some try to argue that it's both Israel and the church. 12 tribes of Israel, 12 apostles of the church, 24 elders. I don't believe it's Israel because only the blood-bought 
Only the redeemed, only the church of Jesus can sing the new song of verse nine that we have been ransomed. We've been bought with the blood of Jesus. Friends, this is the church of Jesus Christ. And isn't it interesting that the elders recognized the lion of Judah? Now follow me. Say amen if you're with me. Oh, this is rich right here. Why was no one able? See, again, you'll never understand Revelation without understanding the Old Testament. It's critical. How many of you remember the story of a widow in the Old Testament named Ruth? There is a teaching in the Old Testament called a kinsman redeemer. What is a kinsman redeemer? Follow me for a moment. Ruth was a young lady in the Old Testament. Her mother-in-law was Naomi, and both of their husbands died. And to make matters worse, Ruth was not a Jew. She had no inheritance to the kingdom of God. She had no inheritance to the covenant of God. She was a Moabite. Ruth was a Gentile. Outside the covenant. Outside the promises. Outside of hope. And Naomi took her in, but they needed a redeemer. And there was a man in the book of Ruth named Boaz. What a man he was. And Boaz became the kinsman redeemer. He married Ruth and he brought her into the covenant. He brought her into the blessings. He brought her into the provisions. He brought her into the wealth of the covenant of the God of Israel. But see, four things had to happen. You had to have four qualifications in order to become a kinsman redeemer. Now, remember why John is convulsing. Remember why he's weeping convulsively because no man was able. Four qualifications for a kinsman redeemer. Number one, a kinsman redeemer had to be a relative. A kinsman redeemer had to be related. My friends, do you realize that's why John chapter one, verse one, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and Jesus Christ being the word. What's verse three say? And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Friends, Christ took on a robe of humanity that he might become Emmanuel, God with us, that he might redeem mankind as our kinsman redeemer. And he became flesh. He became man. He suffered every temptation that we suffer, yet he was without sin. Amen? And now he ever lives to make intercession on our behalf. He was 100% God, yet he was 100% man. He became our kinsman. He was related. Number two, a kinsman redeemer had to be able the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that the blood of Jesus Christ is able to save to the uttermost. Amen? I don't care what your past is. I don't care how great your sin has been. I don't care how grievous it is. I'm telling you the blood of Christ is able to redeem and able to save to the uttermost. But that's still not enough. A kinsman redeemer had to be related. A kinsman redeemer had to be able. And number three, a kinsman redeemer had to be willing. Friends, 
Not one person murdered the Lord Jesus Christ. He did not lose his life. He freely laid it down. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. He willingly sacrificed himself that he might become our kinsman, redeemer. Now, can I tell you my favorite one? Number four. A kinsman redeemer had to be a relative. A kinsman redeemer had to be able. He had to be willing. And number four, he had to assume all legal obligations and responsibilities of the beneficiary. Friends, let me tell you what Colossians 2, 14 and 15 says. It says that Christ was crucified to the cross. And listen what it says. It says, and thus our record of debt, that list of sins that stood against us with all its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. And he put to open shame those principalities and rulers of authority. He stripped them of all power. Amen. Christ assumed our legal debt. He assumed our legal obligations. And see, now when you look at verse 9 and you see the new song that we, the elders, we, the church of Jesus Christ is singing, you have ransomed us. You have purchased us. Why? Because Christ is our kinsman, redeemer. Amen. And now when the elder says in verse 5, weep No more. Hallelujah. Christ is able. And that's why he's worthy. Amen. Verse 5 again, please. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. So what did we say last week? There is a massive shift in the book in chapter 4. This is an interim time period here. In my view, others may not agree with it. I'm not trying to sell to you on my view. I'm trying to show you what I see in the text. You do your own study. You come to your own conclusion. In my view, Revelation 1, 2, and 3 represents the church age. Laodicea is the final church of the church age. I believe we, right now, the universal church collectively, we are the church of Laodicea. And I believe we are in the last of the last days. I argued last week from Scripture, Revelation 4.1, he hears a trumpet 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Thessalonians 4 says that the voice of the archangel and the Lord shall descend, and with a trump, we shall be changed from here to there. When John is harpazo, remember we said the verb come up here is harpazo 14 times. Harpazo is mentioned in the New Testament. There are eight Harpazos of the Bible, the catching up. Who do we say? Enoch, Elijah, Isaiah, Jesus, Paul, Philip, and John. 
But listen, Revelation 1, 2, and 3 represents the church age. Think, listen how fascinating. There are 24 titles for Jesus in the first three chapters. All 24 titles are Greek titles. Do you use a streaming device at home or at work? Simply say, hey Google, play Awaken to Grace with Chad Roberts podcast and listen to our weekly podcast that is the current sermon that I preach each week at Preaching Christ Church.